Welcome to the Chapel Hill Academy podcast, featuring messages from our weekly chapel service. Located in Chanhassen, Minnesota, Chapel Hill Academy offers biblically-based Christian education, junior kindergarten through eighth grade, and holds a passion for Christ and a commitment to provide an education for life. We invite you to learn more about us at chapel-hill.org. Well, good morning. Big question for one person in the crowd. Is that your real hair? Is that your real hair? Do you color it? I like it. Nice job. I love Decade Day. You guys look really fun. It's going to be a good week. Alright, so we're on Heroic Faith. You guys are on Heroic Faith. Little quiz here. Who in the Bible did I talk about last week? Stephen. Very good. Alright, so we're going to do it different guy, but I'm going to start it in the same way because this is going to be crazy. You might think it's a duplicate. There's a lot of feedback up here in case you guys hear that in the back. Right? I'll just keep going. But does it sound okay for you guys? All right, great. I'll just go with it. Um, so I showed the picture last week, right? Why did I show those pictures? Not because they're cool, fun pictures, but why? Because there was a problem in the church at the time. And I said, Stephen was an ordinary guy. Right? You remember me saying that? Stephen was arguing. I'm going to introduce you to a guy named Philip. Guess what? He's an ordinary guy. He's a normal dude. He was part of the group with Stephen. In fact, he was a buddy of Stephen's. In fact, he was in the group of seven guys that were selected to solve the problem. All right, another big question for you, smart eighth graders, seventh graders. Describe to me the problem in the church with food distribution. Yes, tell me what was the problem? Okay, you're really close. Good try. Yes. Yeah, so let's put those two answers together and say in the church at the time, there were some folks that were Jewish in their background, their parents were Jewish, but they became a follower of Jesus. And then there were also another segment that were not Jewish, they were called Gentiles, or the text says Hellenists. But they had come to, to faith in Christ too. So they were in the same church, but only half of them were getting treated well. The widows of the Hellenists weren't getting treated fairly. So they got Stephen last week we talked about Stephen. Today we're talking about Philip. Both of them were in the group of guys that were in charge of solving the problem. Thanks guys. Nice job. Alright. But I gotta take another quiz question for you. The church was born at that time. What was the event that showed the birth of the church. First answer. And you tell me what Pentecost is. Bingo. Right on. Pentecost was the day the church of Jesus Christ was born. And that was awesome and amazing and everything, right? But the problem happened. We talked about that. We just described it. You guys did a nice job. 
I think we're kind of back on the same page. Philip is helping solve the problem by helping be more fair with the food distribution. Okay. Remember that picture? The reason I want to show you some things from last week is that there's a lot of similarities between Stephen and Philip. But there's a lot of differences too. Okay? So we want to do both. Alright. Oh, I went too fast. Ordinary guy, right? I said that. Stephen, ordinary guy. Full of the Holy Spirit. Philip, ordinary guy. Full of the Holy Spirit. But there became a huge problem, even bigger than the food. Well, I don't know about bigger. Big too. Stephen died. You guys remember Stephen died? How did he die? They stoned him. They threw rocks and pebbles and big stones and maybe even really huge ones to kill him. And that event started a whole list of bad events, not just towards Stephen, but to all the people that followed Jesus. And the word is persecution, you guys probably know that. There was a huge, sharp increase of persecution against followers of Jesus. Physical persecution. Emotional, spiritual, everything. And so what happened is that the church started to run away. And I get it. But let's go back to a verse that I said. We, we read this last week, Acts chapter 1. Let's read this together again, okay? Let's do it together. Read it with me. Ready? <coughs> but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Okay? God wanted his message out to the world. And he allowed the persecution to happen to get people going. Okay? That's a really crazy concept. But God allows persecution at times. He allows hard times. He allows suffering at times. So that good things can happen afterwards. There's a lot of good things, a lot of hard things, but a lot of good things that happen. One good thing is that Philip got out of town. So I hope my picture is understandable. The upper left-hand picture is a map of the world. And the little square in there is magnified to the right. And that's Israel today. And you can see the cross, the circle, is where Jerusalem, that's where Pentecost happened. That's where the church was born. But then we just read that Jesus says, hey, you're not just going to stay in Jerusalem. you got a job to do. You gotta get out. And what was the first area that he said? We just read it. Jerusalem and the where? Judea. Oh, that was a mumble. Come on, students. Judea. Okay. Oh, I went too fast. Darn. Alright. Judea is that area in the second circle. It's a little bit bigger. It's a little bit outside of Jerusalem. What was the next area and city in Acts chapter 1? Yeah. Samaria. Alright. The next big area. In fact, you can even see. Samaria written there. There's a town of Samaria and there's a region of there. So God is saying, I'm going to empower you to get out of Jerusalem. I'm going to empower you to get out of Chester. I'm going to give you power to get to the Twin Cities. I'm going to empower you to get to Wisconsin and Iowa and Canada. And then I'm going to send you to the world. 
I'm going to do it a lot of different ways, but I'm going to allow persecution on you to get you going. How many of you like that idea? That, hey, I want to be persecuted. Seriously, raise your hand if you want to be persecuted. Look around. Look how many hands are not up. There's one hand up. And I respect that. But 99% of us don't like pain, don't like to get persecuted. I don't. But God uses all things together for good. For those that are called by His name. The last one is the world. You can't even see it because it encircles everything, right? Alright. So, Philip, the great story about Philip is he goes to Samaria. He was starting to feel the persecution. He goes, hey, I'm going to go to Samaria. Well, where is Samaria according to this? From Jerusalem, it's about 42 miles. Give or take. You have no clue how 42 miles is. But let me ask you this. From this spot right now to the border of Minnesota, Wisconsin, is 43 miles. So to Hudson, Wisconsin, is that a long walk? Have any of you been to Hudson? Okay. It takes about an hour to drive there. It would take, I don't know, a couple days to walk there. I don't know. Depends on how fast you walk. That's where Philip did. He went down in Acts chapter 1, 8, verse 5. He says he went down to Samaria. And guess what he did? He proclaimed Christ. He told people about Jesus. Why? Because he had something to say. Now, guess what I didn't talk about yet? That first one. Not only did he travel 40 miles, he went to enemies. What do I mean by enemies? They didn't war against each other, but they had a religious enemy mindset. They didn't like each other because the Israelites thought the Samaritans were beneath them. They were a mixed race. <coughs> a racial thing. It was ugly. Racism is ugly. Racial issues are bad, and, and I want to help solve them. I want to be that in my life, and I hope you guys can consider this. And that's what Philip is doing. He says, hey, guess what? This Jesus that, that has saved me, the Holy Spirit that's in me, is for everybody. And Philip is one of the first guys to realize God has been saying that all along. From the very beginning, God's plan was to reach the nations, to bless the nations. I desire that none should perish, but all come to repentance. And Philip is the guy who shows us how to do it. He's an ordinary guy. He's also the guy that walked across the boundary. He walked across the divide. He went to a different culture. He went to a different race. He went to people he didn't like or was told not to like. Obviously, I think he liked them. I think he learned to like them and ask love them. All right. Didn't stop there, though. He's in, uh, maybe I should, help me here. I don't want to get you confused. I'm going to go back to the map, okay? I should have put one more map in here and I forgot to. And I'm going to show you one more thing. All right. You see where this is in Samaria? Number four, that's where he was. That's the first scene we just had. 
The next event in Philip's life is he goes down to number five on the bottom. You see this, the, the statement says, road to Gaza? Okay. He went from one in Jerusalem to four in Samaria, then he goes to five. All right, go back to the slide now. Try not to get you confused. But later on in chapter 8, the story becomes how Philip, after he talks to the half-breeds in Samaria, the, the, the neighbors that are not friendly neighbors of Israel, he goes down to another part, probably another 50 miles, maybe more, it would be like the one now from Hudson over to Cologne, probably. I don't know if you guys know where Cologne is. You can check it on the map later. And he sees, because, and the reason he does it is because the Holy Spirit tells him to. Hey, get out of Wisconsin, go over to Cologne. I got some more work for you. And you know what Philip says? All right, got it. I'm on it. And he sees a man from Ethiopia, Africa. That wasn't even on our map earlier. You guys know where Africa is? Totally different continent. Right? So not only does he talk to a Samaritan, a happy, he goes to a whole different continent, a whole different group of people, and he, and he sees a guy traveling a chariot. What's a chariot? Yeah, what's a chariot? Yeah, of course, it's full of covered wagon kind of thing. I heard you. Right on, dude. Thanks. All right, here's a... Obviously, this did not, this is not a true picture of the time, but it's a drawing. But this gives you flavor. Philip's guy on the left, Ethiopian's guy's on the right. Just as a little quiz here, what do you think the Ethiopian has in his hand? Ooh, one question. Good idea. Is it a map? Good, good guess. It's not a map, though. Nice. Yeah. Scroll. Here's <coughs> a scroll. What's written on the scroll, do you think? Yes. Ah. Right there? Yes, Isaiah the prophet. All right. The Spirit again talks to Philip. And he says this, hey, go to that chariot. Stay near it. All right. Let's say you're at the mall. You're going to the mall. You're going to go to the movie. And eating, drinking, whatever. And you hear the Lord saying, hey, go to J.C. Penney's and just hang out over there. Are you going to do it? I gotta let you know, it's gonna be hard for me because that's like, well, dude, give me a little more detail. God, you can do this, tell me more. Sometimes God, God doesn't give us all the detail. Are you okay with that? Sometimes it's hard. Ethiopian or in the Old Testament, it might say. So what would you do? I would have been nervous. I probably would have said, oh God, how do you want me to do that? What's going on? You gotta give me a little more. Here, let's work with me. Tell me more. I need to hear more details. Tell me your plan, God. You know what God says? My plan is for you to go over and talk to him. That's the plan. So Philip says, hey, just ask a nice question. Do you understand what you're reading? Is it easy for you to talk to others about God? Think of somebody in your neighborhood. Many of you probably have in your neighborhood some friends they hang out with, play basketball with, or soccer, or you know do whatever. And they're and they're they don't come to school. 
they may not know Jesus. But they're friends. Good. You should have them. What do you do? You ever ask them, hey, do you understand what God says? Do you understand anything about God? You know, questions like that are really something to take away from what Philip is doing. He just asks the question. And the Ethiopian gives us something that I think is a picture of all people who don't know Jesus. He says, no, I don't understand. How can I understand unless somebody tells me? This is a truth. Of all the people, there are two types of people in this world. One group are people that follow Jesus. And not that they know everything. I'm not saying they know everything. That they know a little bit of spiritual truth. The other type of people in the world are people that don't know Jesus. They might be smart, fun, many of them are, but all of them simply don't understand things about God. The Ethiopian was in this group. Nice guy. He was actually even, even trying to figure out things about God. He was inquisitive. He was thoughtful. But he still didn't understand. <coughs> Philip's over here. Ethiopian's over here. And he's trying to reach out. He says, how can I help? Well, teach me. Tell me what you know. Now, Philip happened to know this passage. And from that point on, <coughs> I'm going to ask you this. Before I get rid of it. If I were to ask you right now, with your friend in your neighborhood, do you think you can tell them about Jesus? Again, not everything. But what you know. Could you share with them what you know about Jesus? <coughs> That's the question I want you to consider. In fact, in your groups today, if it so leads and leaders, you, you, you guys direct as you see fit, but if there's a way to ask your students, hey, write down what you know about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That will help you solidify your mind what you can say to your neighbor, to your friend from a different country, to your friend who believes differently. Okay? That's all Philip's doing. He's not forcing him any to, to believe anything. He said, hey, you know what you're reading? You know so, I want you to know deep in my heart, at the same time, one of the most nerve-wracking times in my life, and one of the most exciting times in my life, is when I'm talking to people about Jesus. I don't know everything. <coughs> I don't know, I don't have a book of Isaiah in my mind. But I'm older than you, and I have a little bit more knowledge of that, that, that than you do. That's okay. The point is, I get nervous still, and I'm a lot older than you, when I talk to people about Jesus. I also get excited. And I can just imagine, Philip is saying, 
God, I'm nervous. What am I supposed to say? And then all of a sudden, the conversation happens, and, and the Holy Spirit, remember, Philip was full of the Holy Spirit, took over and used what he knew about Jesus to tell this man to feel It's okay to be nervous. It's okay to not know everything. It's okay to say, you know what? If you ask me a question about the Bible in this part, and I know the answer, it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to not be perfect. By the way, Philip wasn't perfect because he was human. It's okay to not be okay. Okay? How about that phrase? Think about that one more time. It's okay to not be okay. Okay? God never expects you to be perfect until he makes you perfect when he comes back again. But what he has done is he's given you his Holy Spirit. What he has done is he's worked through ordinary guys like Stephen and Philip to do extraordinary things. Hear me in this. Who does the extraordinary things? And that's it. Raise your hand if you know the answer. In my last statement, who does the extraordinary things? Yes. Yes, indeed. It's exactly right. It was the easiest answer, and yet the most profound answer. God is the only one who does extraordinary things through you, but he uses you. And it's a great day when he uses you to do extraordinary things. So, this is going to be similar. Again, I did the exact same slide last week with one change. Acts 1-8. What's wrong with Acts 1-8? You can't answer because you answered last question. Yes. That's right. So I highlighted receive power, but I tried to trick you. That's not the verse. The real verse has you, meaning you. Not me. Well, yes, it does mean me, if I'm reading it. Philip and Stephen, ordinary people. You guys are ordinary people. Indwelt by an in, uh, incredible, eternal God of the universe. We're all that way. And who will receive power? You have the power within you. We have the power within us. To be witnesses in Chaska, in Minneapolis, in Wisconsin, to the ends of the earth. I want to be like Philip. That's okay. But again, that's not the real message. This is the message. Philip could only be faithful because the Holy Spirit was in him. You guys, you guys can change the world. Is that a correct statement? change the world through you as your father.
That's the best life for you. And that's what I'm asking you guys to consider. I'm asking you guys to start having a good deal. You guys can do this, but you can't. You guys can only do it when you when you go with the Holy Spirit and let Him do your work. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That is my prayer for you guys. This same Holy Spirit that works in Stephen and Philip lives in, lives in you if you follow Christ in your heart. Ultimately, that's the greatest question ever for you and any individual. You need to follow Jesus. You need to surrender to Him first. And then, God will change the world through you. Let me pray for you. God, you are amazing to use ordinary people. First of all, you're just amazing. Period. You're worthy of our worship. You leave the 99 to chase one down, as we sang in worship earlier. Thank you for chasing me down. Thank you for chasing Stephen down and chasing Philip down and telling us their story through your written word. Thank you for empowering them to do extraordinary things. Thank you for empowering these young ones to do extraordinary things. I pray that even this week, uh, someone in this room, many in this room, would have the opportunity to talk to a friend from outside the faith. Um, to be like Philip and talk to a Samaritan. To be like Philip and talk to an And then when that happens, would you show us how we can celebrate your work? Thank you, Lord, for empowering us to do your work in this room. And help us have the faith to take that step like that. I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.